presenting this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. We're talking to experts in the field about sports and exercise-related injuries and the latest advances in diagnosis, treatment, and prevention to help your patients stay active. We're making great progress in diagnosis and treatment of anterior cruciate ligament injuries, particularly in our young athletes. No longer the injury that ends a sports career, an ACL tear can still quickly end a season. How can we, as medical professionals, equip our athletes with strategies to prevent ACL injuries before they happen? Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Sports Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. Bert Mandelbaum, Practicing Orthopedic Surgeon and President of the Santa Monica Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Research Foundation in Santa Monica, California. Dr. Mandelbaum is the principal investigator of the ACL Prevention Project, with results published in the American Journal of Sports Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Mandelbaum. It's great to be here. We are discussing current programs in place to help prevent ACL injuries in young athletes. Dr. Mandelbaum, research tells us that there's a significant disparity between the incidence of ACL injuries in boys versus girls. What's this all about? Well, unfortunately, we have seen a tremendous and dramatic increase in the number of these knee injuries in females. And when you compare to boys, depending on which study you're talking about, it could be anywhere between two and eight times greater in the female population. Why would that be? Well, there are a lot of explanations that it may be. And I think that the first and most general overriding explanation is that females have never been involved in sport. You know, if you go back to the ancient description of the Olympics, you actually find out females were banned from the Olympics. They weren't even allowed in the stadium to watch the games. And then as you go through the Greek and Roman Empire, you find no females involved. Perhaps a couple of descriptions of some running races here and there. Dark Ages, and you go on up to the 17, 18, and 1900s, and Baron von Kubertin, who is now the father of the modern-day Olympiad, actually proclaimed that women should not be involved with the modern-day Olympics in 1894. So there we go. We have our first Olympics, and we have some participation in a number of Olympic events throughout the early 1900s. And then we come upon 1972. Title IX, and we see participation of females on on battlefields all over the world, for that matter. You know, in this country, we saw 264,000 high school female athletes in 1972, and by 2006, there were 3.5 million. So all of a sudden, we have this tremendous rise in participation in female sports by athletes who'd never done that before in the history of females in general. Are their knees anatomically and physiologically more susceptible to this injury? People try to answer that question from many different sides. They said, is the anatomy different? And consensus groups, we were convened in 1999 as a a group of specialists, including general physicians, orthopedic surgeons, trainers, biomedical scientists. And we, we basically asked that same question. And we looked at everything from anatomy to hormones to the environment, to neuromuscular issues, and we felt that the anatomy, the hormones, and the environment 
were not what we called consensus issues as a cause of this problem. And we felt that overall that it was the biomechanical and the neuromuscular issues that were probably the best explanation for which we have a consensus of. Well, how are these different in the female than in the male? Well, there are several things that are very different. If you and I were to sit on a field and we had our young girls, 14 years of age, on one side of us on our right side and young boys, 14, on the left, what would we find? What we would find is that our young boys would jump and land with their knees and hips bent on their toes at all times. But our young girls, on the other hand, especially at age 14, they would jump and land with their knees less than bent, with them in what we call a valgus position, and on not on their toes. And so what we know from just looking at these 14-year-old girls in comparison to the boys is that they're at a position that puts them at a greater risk for pretensioning the anterior cruciate ligament and ultimately tearing it. Now, what are the sports that the girls are involved with that has the highest incidence of ACL injuries? Well, by far, the sports where ACL tears at the greatest rate are basketball and soccer. But also, as we look at some of the global studies, team handball, netball from around the world in places like Norway, England, Australia, <clears throat> these rates are almost identical to what we've seen in this country with respect to rates of ACL injury in basketball and soccer. And how does this compare to the males? We figured out that, number one, the target age that the highest incidence of ACLs occur is between 14 and 18-year-old girls. And that number is somewhere around 1.7 per thousand exposures. And it's probably four to five times greater than the age match boys. As we go on up to the college level, it probably is two to three times greater for the female in comparison to the boy. If you have just joined us, you are listening to a special segment, Focus on Sports Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and our guest is Dr. Bert Mandelbaum, practicing orthopedic surgeon and president of the Santa Monica Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Research Foundation in Santa Monica, California. Dr. Mandelbaum is the principal investigator of the ACL Prevention Project. We're discussing current programs in place to help prevent ACL injuries in young athletes. Dr. Mandelbaum, tell us about the program you've developed to reduce the frequency of these injuries. After dealing with what we've just spoken about and identifying that we had this target group of young women that were carrying their ACLs, and it was occurring almost in an epidemic fashion, that we felt that we needed to develop a consensus and a group where we focused on what we call biomechanical correction. And what we did was identify various issues that we thought were important. As we mentioned, we talked about the issues of landing and jumping, that the female athlete tended to land in more extension at the hip and knee and on a flat foot and in what we called a dynamic valgus position. We also identified that they landed in a valgus position because that the hip musculature, the abductors around the hip were significantly weak. And we at that time were trying to identify potential neuromuscular risk factors, which ultimately led to the development of a prevention program. So what we did, we put all this together. We felt that it was important to develop a program that could be done at the front end of, in this case, a soccer workout, a soccer practice. And it would be part of what we would call the warm-up. And we developed five components to this. The first was to teach coaches and players and parents that this could be avoided 
by identifying positions we're at risk. Again, the positions at risk being the flexion, the extension of the hip and knee, and no flexion at, at the knee, as well as landing with a flat foot. The other component was teaching them flexibility. That flexibility was a very important part because we also know that stiffness may be an important variable. Strengthening, and specific strengthening is the third component for a program where we have to identify there are certain muscles such as the hamstrings that are very important in terms of alleviating the pretensioning of the anterocruciate ligament. So specifically working on what we call eccentric strengthening of the hamstrings in such a way that will oppose the forces that are antagonistic to the anterocruciate ligament. The fourth component is really plyometrics, teaching the athlete how to jump and land correctly. And the fifth is teaching them agilities and balance over time. So we put these five components together as a 15 to 20 minute warm up, and we called it the PEP program. An acronym just means prevent injury and enhance performance. And the goal was to develop a program that could not only prevent injury, but also we felt that we could improve performance of the athlete. And that would be the best way to facilitate its implementation, not only with coaches, but also with the athletic population. And what have you found from your research? Well, in our first year of research, and I'm proud to say that we were talking about the Olympics and the Olympiads, in 1984, the recipient of funds from the LA Olympics was the Amateur Athletic Foundation. And ultimately, they became the funder of our initial research, a five-year project, which was done here in Southern California in girls 14 to 18. And what we found that we divided these large groups of athletes, almost 2,000 girls in the control group and the intervention group, and we found that there was the first year of study, we could reduce the number of ACL injuries with a PEP prevention program by 88%. This was statistically significant to plea less than 0 0.001. In the second year, we found that it was a 74% reduction in ACL tears. And again, this was statistically significant. So we felt that we were, this was not a randomized controlled trial level one study. And ultimately, this led to us doing what we felt was the most important part of the study, which was to do the randomized controlled trial. This is very impressive in terms of the results that you have. Yes. Well, how often do these exercises have to be done? Well, you know, we have learned, and again, a lot of what we've learned now, because we don't have dose-response studies quite yet, and we don't have a sense of decay of the effect of doing the prevention program, but we're learning quite a bit. We like the metaphor that PEP program or an ACL prevention program is much like brushing your teeth. We know that if we brush your teeth, you can reduce cavities. We know if you absolutely don't brush your teeth, you're going to have more cavities. But we also know if you brush your teeth, you still have cavities. And we, we kind of use that metaphor, the same thing for ACL injury, is that we know that we can prevent many of them, not all of them. But we also know if we stop doing the PEP program, there's a decay and they go back to the old rate if they don't do prevention whatsoever. Has this data been tested with males as well? You know, we have not done this. Our major approach has been focusing on the female population because that is the target population at risk. And what about the sports? Is it primarily in soccer players or other sports such as basketball? Well, it's no question the rates for basketball and soccer 
are almost identical in this country. Are these type of exercises being utilized at other centers uh, around the country? Yes. I think the PET program in now is becoming readily accepted, especially after doing those first two studies we talked about. And then the last study we had done was in collaboration with the Centers for Disease Control and FIFA, where we took 61 different teams in NCAA Division I soccer, where we enrolled 1,464 athletes in a randomized controlled trial and found that there was significant differences in terms of ACL injury from non-contact mechanisms. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Bert Mandelbaum. We've been discussing current programs in place to help prevent ACL injuries in young athletes. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to a special segment focused on sports medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, now featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Free CME on ReachMD is now easier. Link to ReachMD's free custom application for your iPhone at ReachMD.com.